I think One Nation's been the only consistent political party for the last 20 years. They're not talking about you. Alright, well let me tell you, One Nation is talking about you. It's like the media's run away from One Nation. They're too scared to ask us any questions, mainly because we're straight talkers and we've got the answers. This is like a call to arms. You guys need to start making the real decisions and who you're going to vote for. <laughs> but uh, no, so so, I'm, I, so so Steve, I'm from the West, right? So I've already got. An, I'm going to. Call, I'm calling you Trippy because, like, that's just my nickname for you. <laughs> I, I lived at Parramatta for eight years. So is Trippy all right? Like, is Trippy I'm fine? Not I reckon Trippy's a mad mad nickname. Yeah. You got a you got a week. So Stephen Trip. Does not watch movies, so I'm like, I said, we'll call it the ex candidates, like the ex presidents from um, Point Break with Patrick Swayze. Have you seen that movie, Rebecca? I know which movie, but I haven't watched it. I'm, I don't really watch TV. Oh, yeah, so you're the odd one out, Adam. Well, well I must have too much, too much time on my hands then. I've been watching the Johnny Depp, um, Amber Heard court case like religiously. So, that's, so that's that's going to work out really good for from for male rights, don't you yeah. think? What is that about? I haven't even been paying attention. Oh my to god, that. she cut his finger off and didn't go really? to jail for it. She's a she sick cut woman. His finger. Yeah, it's, she cut it's like, his finger off. It's severe domestic violence, Stephen, but it's the man's the victim this time yeah. around, and yeah, she doesn't have a leg to stand on, and um. Yeah. Yeah. It's been horrendous to hear what that, that man went through, to be honest with you. But she's just such a good actress, like, on the stand. And um, he's got a weapon of a lawyer as well. So it's been entertaining. I didn't even know about this. I knew it was going on, but I never paid attention. You can watch it. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to catch up. So I'm not, like, I'm not up today. I didn't get to see today because I was watching back yesterday. But you can stream it. It just goes for a long time. <laughs> Tatum will keep you updated, Rebecca, because she's just been watching. That's the only reason why I know about it. I haven't. I was driving. I'm driving up to um, Port Stephens, which is about two and a half hours away from Campbelltown, and um, she's just watching it in the car, and I can yeah, hear it. It's addictive, and I just always like Johnny Depp, but um, even more so now how he's held himself throughout this whole thing. And you know what he does? So, so Tatum, because he's an artist, right? When did, so when did this happen? When did she cut the finger off? Oh, this was there. They've been broken up for six years. Yeah, really. She made these um, accusations in like a magazine or something about her abusive relationship, and then it sort of just sent Johnny Depp's career into turmoil. And now he's suing her for defamation. Oh God! But um, hundred million dollars defamation. <laughs> But she's like a horrible human being. It's just horrible, like what she where, did. Where have I been the whole time? How did I not know about this? Being being a candidate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only just I've only me too. I've only just found out about it now. So Tatum's only been updating me about it. So, but I but I did see it actually. So I'm on a few um, follow a few Facebook pages for um, fathers' discrimination rights and things like that me and too. men's rights. Mm. Yeah, and they've how, been. How, 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 this into uh, one nation's family law policy you know this is how i'm i'm doing it right now so, <laughs> so this is where so i follow i followed a few groups and i just wanted to get in touch because i've been through the family law process um and i feel i won 
and I still feel victimized by it. There's no winner. There's no real winner in 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 that. Four years of court, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of fees, and you just and I won. I won custody of my daughter. How much, how much in fees? Two hundred and fifty thousand. Jesus. Right. So that's and, why the suicide rates in fathers is through the roof because that's the option to pay that kind of money or don't see your children ever again. And ever most people don't have access to that kind of money. So that's why they choose the other option. I don't have access to that kind of money too. I've got a really, really good family and mm -hmm. I had a lot, a lot of support, right? And I you also work how are you meant to fight it? I guess you just I work seven day I work seven days a week, twelve to fifteen hours a day to make sure and I'm lucky because I I'm lucky with the business that I, I'm a contractor as well. So when I said I got more, I can do more work, I just worked more. So when you contract for two or three companies, they're always fighting for your hours. Plus I had my own, I hadn't started my own small business at that point yet. So I just went to all three of my people, my, my companies that I worked for and said like, just give me as much work as you got. And all I did was work. So I, and it, funnily enough, it worked into my, Exit. Me and my ex are all good now. Everything's all kind of kosher and sweet now. My daughter's really happy and healthy. She sees her mother. We've got no issues anymore. Just this is just. I want to make that clear because I don't want to upset the apple cart there. Um, but what happened was to her detriment when she with, used to withhold my daughter from me. I would work. So when I didn't see my daughter for three or four months at a time, all I did was work. A, it made me survive mentally. I could survive. It let me it just it was an escape but it also put money in the bank and all i did was when you when you have a family where you rent a house from your family and that's cheap rent you're only feeding yourself and i'm i don't eat through the day anyway it's only dinner i had to worry about i had no cost little to no cost only my van and tools that i had to pay for so i just just put money away money away money away money away for um for the for the two years before um court started and then once court started you get hit with a forty thousand dollar bill straight away. So, but anyway, with this, with the Johnny Depp thing, because it's showing that males can be victims of domestic violence, and lucky there's no children involved with this particular case and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she would film him. He was has an he has a well known anger issue, but what happened was it's non-violent towards. Well, he had him. he had an addiction. He had drug and alcohol addiction, which he doesn't right. deny. Right. So what happened was she took video of him slamming. So she aggra she she triggered him in one scene. She took video. This is what I found out today from Tatum. So she he's running around slamming doors in the kitchen, which can't tell me all of us haven't done. Had a tanty, right? And then and then she, so she's egging him on. She's filming it. Then she sends it straight to TMZ. Oh God! And goes, look how violent and aggressive this guy is. And then, and then she, so then, and she edited it. So she only sent a clip, a clip, and then his lawyer, defense, his defense lawyer, or his lawyer, has like some sort of expert video analysis guy, and he's broken it all down and gone. Well, this is how you can tell it's all been edited and all this kind of stuff. And same with all the bruises and everything that she ever had on her body. It's all makeup. So it's it's very good to see such a high profile case where the woman is actually. Well, as far as I know, so far is quite the perpetrator. And um, Johnny Depp being so famous, he can put it out there for all men. So well, you know, it does happen. If a woman cheats, and and the, the like, I, I 
I know a case of someone in my in my family where the woman kind of ran off with another another guy. So they were married. You know, they were married. They had two kids. The woman runs off with another guy, and then uh, my family member had to end up paying about three thousand dollars a month in in you know child support. It's not his fault. He's gone into a marriage and had kids. Mm. On you know thinking, oh yeah, I'm in a loving relationship and everything like that. But then he's you know for the next eighteen years at at, at the most or uh, at least. He's got to pay all those fees, so it's not a fair system at all. No, and also they don't. So this this new man that she may be with, he could be a multimillionaire. He could be earning a million dollars a year. That doesn't get factored in when it comes to the child support from the dad. So that income that she might live with that man, he might pay for everything. That doesn't get factored in with her income. So the father still gets still gets um, assessed without factoring that in. So that's that's just wrong. Yeah. Also, he's just is also he's assessed of his gross annual income, not taxable income, not not net income. So yeah. what happens is, say you get I don't know if you're on 120k a year, if well that's that's no, let's make it more realistic. Say you're on 80k a year, okay, you're almost in the highest tax bracket, so you're getting taxed I think 37 cents in a dollar, um, or is it? 42 cents in a dollar plus a 2.8% Medicare levy, levy. So it's like 45 cents in a the dollar. Then what happens is you, so you're only earning really about 40, 50 grand, 40 grand a year, 50 grand a year. And then you're getting paid, you have to pay on the $80,000 a year. So I know that yeah. One Nation, um, I know that when Pauline and um, everyone was going to, you know, reform the childcare, or what are, what are we calling it now? The family law. Um, family law system and the child support child support child is what support. i was looking for child support um it wants to be off your net income not your, not your gross income right so like somebody like who owns a business right like i'm a i'm a sole sole trader you know so you can earn and i retail product as well so you can have a really really high income sorry high income gross but once or but over 75 percent will that be will be cost so could you imagine if, like, the argument's sake, I earned, well, one sole trader, not particularly me, but a sole trader would earn three or $400,000 in a year, but 75% of that will be cost of materials. So then he's only really making 25% of income. Don't forget, too, that that's got to be then, that's got to be then assessed for um, tax, taxable income, right? So you're paying... Um, you're paying child support on $400,000 a year and you're only making maybe 80 or $90,000 a year after, after all your taxes are net. And then you're going to have to, how do you, that you're, you would be paying that all that money would have to go to child support pretty much. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a fair system if you're doing it on a gross income. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot in my industry because it's, you know, male dominated industry and construction and guys are just working themselves to death just to be able to pay all their expenses and things like that. And it's not like they're just living in a flat with some other guys um, through the week. It's not like they have extravagant lifestyles, but they're, um, you know, paying child support and everything like that. So it's, it's tough. It's really tough. You know, it's, um, it's not always the man's fault. That's the yeah. Main. And can I just bring back to the topic of the Johnny Depp case? There's actually audio of her saying that, go out and tell the world that you're a, a, ma a male white man, uh, sorry, white male, 
that experiences domestic violence because nobody will believe you. I've heard, I heard that footage myself. I heard that footage actually. Yeah. That's like, just exactly what's going on in the world right now where um, men are demonised to be made to feel that if they are a victim, then no one's going to believe them anyways. And women are getting away with what they're doing because of the way society looks at men who are victims of domestic violence. I've been saying it for years and I, I don't, if you think I'm wrong, that's fine. But I've, I personally feel the worst thing in Australia to be is a middle-class white male because everything we do, everything we say can be used against us in, at any point in time. And I've been saying that since actually I, since I was a lot younger as well. I've noticed a trend. I've seen it, um, the demasculization of men. And I've seen that, you know, in, in even in the family law system, there's no, um, what do you call it, um, status quo anymore. But there is still status quo. But it, it's, it's, so status quo has been written out of it, but it still falls under status quo. So um, anyway, Basically, what happens is you go in there uh, into family court at a 70%, 30% ratio. So if you have a house and you have children, she, she, um, normally the woman's entitled to 70%. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time because there have been women, and I know women personally who might, some of my constituents who have confided in me when um, during the candidacy, that they had people who were, they were with partners who were well-connected and they got absolutely smashed. So it does happen on both sides, but in generalization, right? Generally the man cops the worst brunt of it, but not in every case. So I will make that clear. Well, should we kick this off? Let's kick it, Let's kick it off. Sorry, I thought we already started, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the agenda since we <laughs> Well, I guess we should introduce everyone. So uh, I'm Stephen Tripp. From I was the One Nation candidate in Moringa, and this we're, we're going to call this the ex candidates, or for now, when, until we change yeah. the other name that we thought of Rose Between Two Thorns or something. We're not undecided. Maybe we can have a vote on people, uh, you know. Do a poll. <laughs> We have, uh, we have Rebecca Thompson, who's uh, the candidate for Hume, and Adam Zara candidate for MacArthur. So uh, what is your reaction from the election, guys? Adam? I'm still trying to catch up from sleep. I know that. I'm so <laughs> tired. I've never... <laughs> I am fairly exhausted. I slept pretty much all day yesterday. We got to the, um, the motel room and just straight into the bed and just out. Because we... Well, we've done bad parenting we've got the kids with the grandparents and we've just me and uh tatum and i have just kind of gotten away for a couple of days because oh, what, you an, need you what an experience well i worked uh thank you rebecca i worked full-time up until um a week and a half before as we all i know, I know most of, we all pretty much worked but yeah. um i worked full-time um up until the wednesday before the, the election so only had about i had a week no a week a week and five days or three days before and off and i focused completely on the campaigning um but then before that was working full-time and doing the um pre-poll as well and then all the six, the six months uh, sorry you put up all your own signs and 
take them all down afterwards and all, all the midnight or work we did all the signing at night so we yeah. went you know you know, from 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, we would go and put I, – well, I went and put signs up. I roped my daughter into it a few times so she came with me on the stealth runs. But, yeah, it's an um, amazing experience, but it's very exhausting. How about you, Rebecca? How are you going? I'm the same. I'm just so – like, I've never been so tired. Like, it's almost equal to when I, like, become a mum. Like, that, that newborn stage is almost equivalent to that tired. Like – I've been going to bed relatively early, but even today I was like dozing off on the lounge, which is something I just never do. So I just feel like I can't catch up. It's obviously once the adrenaline um, and, you know, all that sort of ends, it's like you're sort of left here trying to, I guess, grapple with reality again. So um, I'm feeling good. I mean, um, I went into it knowing full well I wasn't going to knock the current sitting member off. He's It's a it's a blue ribbon liberal seat here and he's he's had it. Um, hands down since 2013 but um, still relatively happy with my result um, I think it's 7.3 percent or something like that but the votes are still being updated I've, I've seen that today um, but yeah it's just um, what I found is that a lot of people which I wasn't aware of a lot of people following me I guess sort of had it in their mind that I could have potentially won so they're just trying to come to terms with the fact that I didn't so I mean that's you know, disheartening when you hear that. But um, I gave it the the best shot that I could have, so I have no regrets. I think, um, you know, coming into this, you can't be expected to win straight away, especially when we don't have as many resources behind us as the other parties do. Yeah. But, the, you know, we need to build from this. You know, I, I know for myself, um, when I first started in Moringa, we had like five people um at the first meeting so we had to basically start from scratch you know build up the volunteers and, and like three months out or whatever it was it's it's not really a lot of time so now we have a good group of people that i want to keep together and um and keep progressing forward but uh i did you guys learn any lessons throughout the process that you weren't expecting like coming into this um oh. Well, so I've got this weird personality trait, so I expected to win. I can't do it unless I go on. It's going to happen. You know what I mean? So I can't. I won't put my heart in. If I put my heart into something, it's definitely 100%. You know, like, so I obviously was new and I expected to win. So I'm walking up to all the camp, like, I'm, so even when the liberal candidate would ask me, um, "Good, for, he's all right, guys. You know, nice guy." Binod, um, he'd go, um, "Oh, how you feeling?" I said, "I'm going to win, like straight, like straight up." And, you know, and like I don't. That's just how I am. That sort of confidence is really good sometimes. Well, it, for me, it's about if I when I do something, I go 100, percent and if mm. and I expect a victory. I've been brought up. You put 100 percent in, you give it your best, you get your results. Okay, so I know I know I've got a few more things like more to do. So I would re I'm really looking forward to actually connecting with um, more of the indigenous community. I would I need to get onto that. So when when you're doing such a steep learning curve, we had all a massive learning curve. Um, things get left out. So reaching out to local communities and indigenous communities and 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 business communities, I just I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't get there. I, I don't have the contacts for um, 
the indigenous communities. Um, it's just a circle, um, my circle of the way that my life has panned out is I've never had actually had contact with um, like indigenous community groups as such. I've had indigenous friends and things like that through school, um, but not like into community groups. So I know that for myself as a candidate or a future candidate, I have to be more outgoing and um, reach out to more community groups. So that was a big one. Um, that I think that that's probably, I think feel like that probably let me down more than anything else was just not reaching out enough to groups. Did you guys struggle with media exposure? Uh, initially, yeah, but then it sort of just all sort of comes steamrolling in. But I think it just depends on the electorate, to be honest with you. If it's more of a conservative seat, which I'm lucky that mine is, then you probably get more media interested in us because we're a conservative party. But if you're in like a fully left green seat, then then obviously the media is just going to turn a blind eye toward you. Or a teal seat. You're in a teal seat, aren't you, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we got completely... Well, we had Mark Latham and Colin Grigg out at the Spit Bridge and uh, we put the... we You know, there's a program that One Nation uses that puts it out to all the media outlets. So we went out to 130 media outlets the day before and the morning of, and not one of them turned up. So how do we get that message out there? You know, they completely ignored us. So... You know, um, even even when the, the when I had the candidates for him and I got all that exposure from uh, what happened with um, Zali Stegel, like it went all around social media, and uh, you know I was getting messages from everywhere, but the the mainstream wouldn't touch it. Like um, apart from one thing on Sky News with Chris Kenny, that was it. So of course they wouldn't touch it because they're all in agreement with that kind of behaviour, and that's the issue we're having at the moment. Well, I feel is that. The people that we have in parliament at the moment are toxic they're childish they're immature um and it's not what we need in parliament and they're not the type of people we need making decisions for us i understand we're all not going to agree on everything obviously that's why there's all different you know political views on the spectrum but you can re you can respectfully disagree and respectfully debate people without yeah. resorting to name calling and childish behavior like we're seeing at the moment and the media's got a huge part to play in it as well with the sort of stories that they run and they get behind. And I think the biggest thing uh, going forward is with this Teal movement, like they looked at Sally Stegall's result at the last election and they've gone, well, that's worked. Let's, let's give it another go in, in a whole bunch of other seats. And that's worked as well. So what's to stop them from running in every electorate next election? Oh, they'll do it next election for sure. And even the state election coming up. So how do you combat the teals with so much resources behind them. I'd go, when I'd go out to put up my signs on election day, you should see the amount of Zali stable signs there were. It's incredible. Like, just plastered everywhere. Like, and they're, ten, they're $10 a pop, right? So even, a, and the amazing deal that we got, because we did it all through, you know, on a big group collective, right? $10 a pop. I mean, to have, you know, 10 up on one place and then everywhere you go, there's 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I mean, how much money was spent on those? You yeah. know, like just that, that alone can show you that, you know, it wasn't coming out of one person's pocket. And we, yeah, yeah, it's meant to be, an all of them are meant to be independents. Like to the north in McKellar, they had that Sophie uh, Scamps or Scomps, I, I don't know what mm. Scamps. Um, yeah. She was a doctor. 
And then all, all of a sudden, she's got all these resources behind her. Like, I know doctors earn, earn, earn good money, but not that good money. Like, don't people actually stand back and look at it and go, something's not right here. Where did they get all their volunteers? Like, she's just popped out from nowhere. Where are they getting all the resources from? What, what you know, how, how, how is anyone meant to combat that, you know, going forward? Is it, well, can, it'll repeat the process in other electorates as well. I think the voters just, they honestly, they have no idea because I experienced a similar thing. I had an independent that I was running up against, an independent who at one point was on the C200 website, but then all of a sudden vanished, even though there were screenshots of it. Um, and then she sort of basically, you know, stood up and said, oh, I'm not affiliated to Get Up. I'm not affiliated to C200. I'm a, I'm a true independent. But come um, day after election day, there's an article saying she had $300,000 in her campaign. So, um, you know, compared to that, I didn't stand a chance. But when it comes to constituents, they're so critical when it comes to like, why don't why was there only one core flute around our area and why didn't you have coverage on election day it was so disheartening to see that you didn't have people at Warragamber and there was all this sort of thing and I and I had to end where up saying where were you I had to end up saying you know um you do realize that these people have 1500 volunteers because they get paid to do it um and i said everything that i was doing was paid for out of my own pocket and i said if my signs were to be taken down from council which by council which they were or if someone was to steal or graffiti them that's eight dollars or ten dollars out of my own pocket that i'm going to replace it so these people like the major parties even uap they weren't funding their core flute so if someone took 200 overnight they're just going to pop them back up the next day so it's people need to be aware of the, the actual playing field that we're in. It's 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 far from fair and equal. It's meant to be governed by representation. Like it's meant to be just every like everyday people like us standing up for our communities. It's not meant to have such big money behind it. It's almost like like Zali Stegel. She's just a marketing gimmick. At the end of the day, she walks in. She's got an entourage. She's got a own photographer. Like the photographer was there. Every was at the ballot draw. She was out on the polling booths she just follows her around all day like he's wouldn't be doing that for free so and then zali zali still claimed to have 1400 volunteers i think i had like 14. <laughs> so like what's the thing though that i found frustrating was people were so judgmental and critical about you know not us not having booths covered and things like that and i was thinking well if you were free that day to go and vote and you realize that there wasn't anyone there we're like why didn't you put your hand up? It Did was just how hard it was to get volunteers. Honestly, I didn't expect it to be so hard. I was I was really lucky. So I had I was really really lucky that I got into contact with um, my the previous candidate um, Shane put me into contact with one of his volunteers who was um, involved with the church, and um, that was one. And I also got in. Um, I also got contacted by. Um, another community group called Stand in the Park. So I had um, the Good Church and, and Stand in the Park. And between them, I had you know, I had volunteers who did my letter drops for me and they were walking and like like K's and K's and like, it was unbelievable. They were thousands and thousands of letter drops each they were doing. And it was, then they had their own little competition between them and they were just going like full on, full on. I had 30 booths covered out of the 49 booths 
on polling day and I had this and I had three and with Rebecca's help I had four pre-polling booths covered pretty much the whole time so you know like I can guys I can just tell you like uh, it wasn't it's it, it's it's important to have your boots covered and it's important to have volunteers 100% but it's also at the end of the day it's what people it's the people's what the people really really want and I think what happened was it'd be a focus on it would have to focus more on education of voting over um over worrying about too much about you you know your volunteers as such because um it'd be more and Rebecca did mention this to me it's about you know being in people's um contact with people um, just being out there and getting your name out there and your face out there. Um, but also, I think people wanted change. And you can see that by the spread of the votes and how that, you know, the other parties got a fair bit of votes and there was a swing towards them. And then they went to Labor in the end because I don't think people really understood how to make proper change for in government. Well, they only got 30, 32% of the primary vote Labor. So that's an indicator that nobody really wanted them anyway. That's right. That's what. That's what I'm saying. So if you look at the spread of the vote, they wanted people wanted change, right? And you know, look, I've I've, I've made petition about the way that because um, I had a fair few scrutineers too, um, and I made petitions about like the way it was counted and stuff like that. But apparently, there's two ways they can count. So there's a TOEFL field way they can count with the with the piles of your candidates, and then they divide the preferences and all that kind of stuff. Or they can, what they do is they divide, in my electorate, they divide it into three piles. They had Liberal, Labor, and Other. Then they distribute the preferences from the Other into Liberal and Labor. That's how they counted. That's how they counted. But what I understand about that is that I actually had a scrutineer who's worked at the AEC like as a staffer in previous elections as well as scrutineering, and this is the first time she's witnessed them do it this way. So if they're so going to start changing the... Sorry, Pardon? this is new. It was new legislation put in in either 2019 or 2020. One of the, one of the two, there was a date where they put new why, legislation. Why would that be necessary? Then why well, why on earth are we required to put preferences in our votes? Then we should just put number one right. preferential voting irrelevant. Then I agree. I don't know. I agree with your point <laughs> about putting number one and just don't worry about preferences because who cares anyway? Not them, though, so there's no point. That's right. But in saying that too, I need to learn a little bit more about the system. As I said, it's my first go. I still haven't read completely read through the AEC handbook. You know what I mean? So now it's about me or us or whoever wants to continue get educated more. But I'll educate my scrutineers next. I'll, I'll I'm planning on probably not. I don't think I'll not run again. So I'll probably figure out a way. I'll have to speak to the state and whatever and see what we're going to do if they want me to run for them, if they thought my results were good enough. But anyway, that's in the future. But I, I'll definitely want to learn how to scrutiny. I want to learn about scrutineering properly. I want to make sure that my scrutineers actually know what they can do. So they can call, wait a minute, that's not right. This is what I want done. And then I'll give them, I'll show them to how to have the strength to, to, to talk to the AEC because the AEC guys, as nice as they can be, they were they can be, a bit, um, what do you call it, like hard to communicate with. Mm. Stuff going on because when I, I went into the first booth and I, I asked for a pen, they meant, I thought they were meant to provide pens if you asked for it. She's like, we've got pencils. I'm like, no, I want an actual pen. And she looked at me like something was wrong with me and maybe there is. But 
No, my mum had that exact same experience and then they were waiting behind her to take the pen off her when she was finished. Really? Well, they didn't. I had... So I just walked out and I went to the next booth because um, I went and got got a pen and then as I'm going to booth to booth, I went to the next one. And anyway, um, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the guy about the white Senate paper and how long it is. I'm like, oh, you know, soon it will be out the door, blah, blah, blah. And then I said to him, so you just, um, you number one, just, you know, at least six above the line and then and then I can keep going. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you just go to six. I'm like, you mean at least six? And he's like, no, you just go to, if you go past six, it's an informal vote. And I know that's not correct because he even says on there, minimum of six. Minimum of. And then you can. If he wants can, to be informal, he wanted it to be informal? I don't know. Well, he, I don't know if it was the fact that, um, he just didn't know, like he's working for the, or volunteering or working, I don't know which what one. Was it a worker? Yeah, it was the guy oh, that you, you, go, you know when you go to tick off your name and he gives yeah. you the, yeah, he was, oh. he, and I'm like, no, I, it's it's at least, it's one to six at least, and then if you want to keep numbering, you can, but he was telling me, no, if you go past six, it's an informal vote, so. Even that, they're giving you the wrong... They, they gave me the wrong information. So how often did, did that happen? So um, apparently at, at one of the sites, they weren't... Um, you know how you've got the little circle where they initial it? That puts yeah. it interactive. So apparently somebody came running out, uh, same bit came out and said that, you know, for the first 20 minutes, every vote that was done is informal now anyway because no one was signing off the top corner. You know what I mean? So what you've got to, you've got to give it... You, you got to understand. I guess I look at it from both points. Like most, the, most of the people who the AEC people who turn up on the day, it's their first time doing it. Like I think my mum used to go and do it back in the day. So they, you know, they pay you for the day of doing it, right? So they don't, really? you know, you have, they don't they have highly, highly qualified people there if they would stop mandating things. Yeah, well, yeah, right. <laughs> I hear what you say. Yeah, and that's right. But I'm just, you know, really educate them the day of the before. So they come in an hour early and we'll explain how everything works. There's not formal training. There's no, I don't think there was formal training this time. People like, haven't you seen? I don't know if you've seen, I've seen the videos. People have all my, so hey, my volunteers went and bought packets of pens themselves to hand out to people to vote with. My mm. volunteers went and did that. Yeah, so did mine. Right. So here's a pen. Here's a pen. Here's a pen. Bring it back if you can. And they, I mean, packets of pens got spent, you know. So, but yeah, that, apparently there was no real training for these people. And even when I went the scrutineering in the county, I had one a lot of, of the, a lot of the counters couldn't even could was definitely didn't have English as their first language. I, I had I had one of my volunteers tell me that uh, he was standing. He actually went away, so he's handing out out of votes all day, and then he went home, changed, so he was out of his orange colours and everything like that, and he picked up two of his housemates who were a bit lazy, so he's like, no, no, you got to go and vote, so he took them into the booth, and he's just standing at the front, and um, the AEC woman was standing there, and she's like, oh, you're coming in to vote, and he's like, no, I've already voted, she's like, it doesn't matter, just come in and vote again, and was like almost trying to get him in to to vote again i'm like was she just joking he's like no she seemed pretty serious <laughs> well i know i had one of my volunteers call me and say that um they weren't allowing him to use the bathroom there because they were saying he would tamper with the votes yeah there's a lot of weird stories coming out but uh 
I try and shy away from that sort of stuff because I'm like, well, I don't really want to believe that it's all. I'm sure there's dodgy stuff that goes on, but um, you want to think everything's above board and legit and all that. Sort so, of thing. I also I like I've spoken to like headquarters and all that stuff. So apparently, there's a, a second auditing process. Okay. Um, so now that um, and I believe that it was a bill or legislation that Malcolm Roberts himself part uh, like put through Parliament. Um, I don't have all the details because you know you skim through things and there's so much to read. But um, apparently now what happens is they get in the audited from an independent auditor. So once they're all counted, then they go all entered into the now, This is what I, I don't now I don't know if it's to do with the House of Representatives and the Senate, but I know the Senate 100% gets audited from an independent auditor. So that's what they're doing now. So what they do is they've got to scan every single ballot form into a computer system and then the computer system goes through and um, audits, it, audits it as far as I'm aware of, of from what I can understand from the message that I was received. Were you so, guys by the result? Yeah, massively surprised because the, the feeling on the ground was way different to what I got, what I what I ended up. I Realistically, right, and people will laugh at me for this or something like that, but realistically from the feeling that I had on the ground, don't forget you come, it's coming from somebody who thought he was going to win, right? <laughs> is that um, realistically, I thought from what I saw, I would get 12 to 15% primary. Have, have you got a Climate 200 candidate in... See, that's what you're doing wrong. Maybe you look better in teal, you know, maybe next time put the teal on and... Next time I'm just going to wear red. Look, honestly, if I can chime in on it, I think, and I've said it to Adam as well, his electorate is a very difficult one because of the demographic. You've got so many different kinds of people with different backgrounds, different cultures. And unfortunately, the way the me that media has put One Nation out for years now, it's very, very hard to get certain, you know, groups of people on, on side with us because they just can't get past the fact that they believe we're racist. So that's what I felt like was working against you in MacArthur, Adam. And I can tell you that every time I spoke to a, a specific group let's we'll, we'll use islamic because we know that's what we're talking about so islamic group if i spoke to an individual and he, and i had and almost every individual i spoke to i 100 this is their words i 100 agree with everything pauline hansen says says except she's racist and i said well what are we talking about racist wise tell me and let's work it out oh the burqa the burqa the burqa and i said that was more that was for security it wasn't about you're not allowed to wear a burqa. And I said, I spoke to Islamic, I actually spoke to an Islamic um, volunteer who was handing out flyers one day at the one of the festivals I went to. And he said in their law, in, in their Bible or their law, they're allowed to remove the burqa in a, in a, in a position of security risk, i.e. bank, airport, this, that, the other, whatever it is, right? So what happens is, so I'm like, well, then, what was the big deal about Pauline Hanson saying that they should release it back in that day? Oh, it's because she walked in wearing a burqa and the way she made a spectacle of it and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you're going to really hold her against for that, for that something that happened. How many, was it 2004 or something um, from that? And then, but you believe in everything else the party stands for. I said, and you know, and again, we're the only party that was been fighting for the religious freedoms act or whatever it is. You know what I mean? 
But these people that are saying those things, like how do they explain all the candidates that we that we have that are from you know different backgrounds? Like, and and if Pauline Hanson was really racist, look at Raj, who was the there was one, yeah, the second Sam. Yeah. He's cool. How to pronounce his last name? So thanks for that. Yeah, but he's the number two Senate candidate in Queensland. Then they recruit George Christensen. If Pauline Hanson was really racist, he'd be like, sorry, Raj, we're going to bump you down to three now and put George in at number two because he's more well-known or whatever. No, she stuck by Raj and she said, no, no, you, you'll stay at number two. So if she was really racist, why would she do that? So I don't think I don't think anybody actually looked into that. I said that's what I always said to them. Go look into go look at our um, www.onenation.org.au, right? That, I, how do I remember that email? Because of that website, because I've told them, go have a look, go have a look at the candidates, go have a look at the policies, then make your judgment. Because but it's not good enough. Because I had that conversation, and they said, "Oh, out of 151 candidates, you've got like five that have a different background." And I'm like thinking. Well, we're supposed to just find people based on their cultural background or their race and make them a candidate. Is that not racist as well in the sense that you're choosing somebody based on their, their the way that they look or their culture over who's actually suitable for the role? Well, that's and we can't that's control who is applying to be a candidate. We can't control who's doing that. That's that's what that's that's the leftist ideology. That's that affirmative action kind of thing. That's like it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not qualified to do it. And this is a bit of a hot topic, you know. I'm not trying to pee anybody off, but it's well, it's gonna because it's what happens is if you're you, if you're not qualified, yet you're a certain color, you should get the job. You know, like why is it? Why isn't why? That's to me, it's all racist. It should be you should be based against. Your ability to do the job. Hmm. Right? I think so, it's, yeah, people, sorry, mate. people are going to believe what they want to believe. So there's people out there that want to believe that one nation's racist. You're not going to be able to change their, their viewpoint, even even though if we can. Some sometimes you can. That was my goal. This whole like this whole election, I wanted people to be able to look at one nation differently. That was my. I wanted people to see that. Well, if they liked me as a person, then they needed to look deeper as to why I'm representing that party. Then, if and I think got... the party now after the pandemic, like look at all of us. Like we we stood up because of what happened during the pandemic. So the party has attracted a lot of new blood, and that's going to mm -hmm. influence the party in different ways. So I thought I, I kept telling everyone this is the evolution of One Nation, whereas the other the major parties are devolving and, and probably need to hit the reset button, whereas we're moving forward with with um, with new candidates and new people. Like you know, this was the first time where we ran in almost every seat. So uh, even even though Rebecca was a ghost candidate, um, yeah. <laughs> well, she's pale. She's looking like a ghost right now, right? But you got to bend forward and say, "How did that go?" Yeah, it was fine. It was just um, I obviously wasn't happy with the fact that I was named on um, his morning show as a ghost candidate um when it's not true so me being me people think that i'm quiet and sweet well i am to an extent but i'm not going to cop that so obviously i was on the phone straight away after after i found out and had a good chat with the producer and that for a good 15 20 minutes and just said it's not on like because they just kept palming it back off to being the aec which just brings me back to the fact that 
it's heavily compromised that organization and I, I've realized that through my own experience as being registered as a ghost candidate, they literally had some guy in there typing up lists of One Nation candidates and where they live and sent that off to the media. And they he had put that I lived in Douglas Park, Queensland. So it wasn't an official AEC document where it was printed off. It was someone that worked there with their own spreadsheet making it up. So based on someone's accidental error or intentional that they had the ability to completely sabotage my entire campaign. Yeah. So, yeah, he was nice. It was good just to get on there and clear the air. He was very nice to me and polite, and uh, I appreciated him giving me that 10 minutes in the morning to address it and basically just use it to promote <laughs> promote myself. Um, yeah, so it worked in my favour in the end. So, Did you get much feedback afterwards from anyone? Oh, well, you know, I didn't realise how many people actually listen to AM Breakfast Radio other than my mother. But uh, <laughs> apparently there's a lot of people out there that heard it. Uh, Mark Latham said he heard it as well. So oh, good. he's actually looking into the whole thing um, that happened. So hopefully something comes of that. Who Ben is or Mark Latham? No, Mark Latham. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Okay. So uh, should we do some questions now or is there any other things you want to uh, talk about? Do we have any questions? I can't see any. Is anybody asking questions or has anybody well, asked? Well, on, on the Facebook, people have asked. So yeah. uh, we've got Gay Cameron's asked a question from Cook. Uh, okay. Yeah, go on. Hi, Gay. He's gone, hi, team. With New South Wales state election approaching in march let's talk about things that affect people in new south wales education standards electricity gas prices fuel prices road tolls mandates and more now adam you're you've put your hand up you're you're likely to run for state uh, well I, it obviously depends on like obviously mark's the leader of new south wales so what depends what he wants to do i'm I, i'm I've put my. I said I could. I've, I've I've asked them if they need me to call on me, yep. um, but I'll definitely have a conversation with the party. So, what do you think? What do you think with the state election coming up? What do you think was the main issue for you, or main or, or main? It's going to be one hundred percent cost of living. So now, what happens is we've had all Australia spoke. I'm in a, a solid Labor area, right now. They think that they're going to get cheaper fuel, cheaper gas cheap electricity and it's 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 the trend is completely opposite so i don't know about you but they cut the fuel excise by was it 50 percent for the next six yeah. months that was, price, that was one nation one nation was done that but then liberal put it in right mm. did it right now what happens, policies sorry i said it's not the first time they've stolen a one nation policy Absolutely not, because we're the policy, we're the party for the people, and we make the policies that actually matter. But the fact of the matter is, is that fuel now is more expensive than it was before the excise cut. So where's the A Triple C watchdog regarding fuel fuel prices? I just put petrol in my car, put fifty liters in, and it was a was it? It was two dollars twenty seven a liter. So, like, I mean, GBs, it wasn't that high before the election. So obviously that, the, I think it was a 25 cent cut for excise tax. That's def, that's been absorbed and then and then it's gone up again because it was $1.87. It was $1.87 before the election. 
and then after the election, it's gone up from dollar eighty seven to two twenty seven. That's what thirty four. That's thirty cents, I think, a liter. So it's a, the twenty five cents has been taken up plus another five cents on top. On that's such a good point. Yeah. So that's the fuel. That's the A triple C watchdog. And from okay, what I've so read, it's not stopping either. It's going to continue to increase. Correct. Right. Then what happens is then um, uh, what else was I going to say? Then you've got the um, electricity prices now. You know, they predicted go up by 18.7% or 18.3%, okay, in July, in June. So just after the month, it's just going to go up. Um, that affects everybody, mm. right? So all this clean, green, cheap, free energy, and it's already costing us more, right? Because um, Labor's already said that there's no infrastructure, that, um, there's no this, there's no that. They've blamed the previous governments, right? That not have... Sorry? The standard tactic when a new party takes over, they blame it all, all on the on the old well, party. Well, they blame the old party for that. So they they they're the opposition. They knew what this. They should have known what the grid was like. Well, they, vote, they vote on all the stuff anyway. They're they're the same. Right. So we've had no. We don't have distribution for energy, so we can create it. So I know. Although I was speaking to another constituent working on the Snowy Hydro, that thing can produce some mega power, but they can't get it from this power station to the grid so it's like a it needs to be like a five lane highway and the way it was explained to me in lay terms was it should be a five or ten lane highway and we've only got one lane mm. to get the energy out so that thing when the water gets pumped up and then pushed through the snowy hydro um it makes so much energy that they can't get rid of it yeah you don't run it the same um, with the same yeah. with you know with the sun issue you produce a lot of energy but then where does it all go? And like you know, so the, now they're they're putting in batteries. Whereas that's one of the benefits uh, about nuclear; they can have these small modular um, reactors, put them on the site of a coal plant, and then feed it into the existing tra transmission lines. So yeah, no one's talking about that. Well, they're the size of a, it's apparently it's only the size of a semi-trailer truck. And not only that, you can add to it. So you, if you if one's working, then you need to just you know have extra supply you just put another one next to it and then another yeah. one next to it. so yeah so it's like modular it's just yeah exactly. like flat packing. i haven't got i'm not told they can put it on a barge and like float it down like if you've got it in newcastle and suddenly you need it down in wollongong you can put it on a barge and float it down the, the you know down the ocean or on the water and then move it around like that so there's a lot of possibilities for that but yeah they're and almost and the research I did when I was when we talked when I during the campaign was that they have new nuclear um, power reactors that use far far more of the uranium. So there's a lot less waste. Yeah. As well, so it's almost clean. Not to mention that there are. So I know a um, I know one was a chemical engineer, and he said he goes years and years ago he read papers on the way that they can actually um the the last bit of um depleted uranium they can actually deplete the rest of it and basically make it non-radioactive non waste that means you could just go dump it somewhere and you don't have to worry about it it can't be turned into a bomb it can't be it's not radioactive it doesn't think so this was a paper that he was reading so imagine if um australia took on technology with with the brains and engineering and everything we had have Imagine if we took on nuclear power, right? Because that's the only way we're ever going to reach um, a carbon neutral kind of thing anyway. We, we all know that. 
coming into this election, like nuclear was one of the things I didn't really agree with because I was my biggest thing was what happens to all the waste? Where are we going to put it? I don't like that idea. But I had a lot of people in my inner circle that were pro-nuclear. So I was like, well, maybe I should do some more research. So I reached out to the Australian Nuclear and I spoke to, to um, their, their national secretary there. He's a um, physicist with 30 years of experience. And I wow. said to him, what do you do with the waste? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, when you pull your uranium's in the ground, it's already radioactive. It's not like you yeah. turn it on. You know, it's, you, you're pulling it out of the ground, putting it in the plant, you're depleting it, and then you're storing it on site, the depleted uranium. And he said, there's even the possibility you could take that de depleted uranium and put it into another geological site and bury it again. So when you say waste, well, what do you actually, what do you mean by waste? So it's, it's, it's super green anyway. Yeah. It's the greenest, the only, it's the greenest thing on it. It's the greenest energy form that we've got, but people just refuse to, to open up the conversation about it. I mean, again, it's why we need people like One Nation in there. Cause you know what, like that's perfect example. You were against it because of the waste. You did a little bit of research and then you're kind of like, well, wait a second. It's green. It's, you could literally take it out of the ground, use it and go put it back in the same spot. I don't and know if the same spot, but another another spot, yeah. Another as well being open-minded and willing to be um, yeah. challenged. And imagine being, imagine if we invest, invested in this technology um, many years ago and then developed the technology better so you could use more of the, you know, the, the nuclear energy from uranium so that there's less of it that's radioactive anyway. So you're, you're already, de you're depleting it and depleting it and depleting it because you know that you're taking the energy out of it, right? Yeah. So um, imagine if we could have better nuclear power plants, um, you know, and get away from the whole Chernobyl idea and all that kind of stuff, because we wouldn't even make a nuclear power plant that would be like that anyway. It well, you're talking about old tech, it's like, it's like um, trying to compare one of those old school computers from the 1970s, comparing it to an iPhone. Well, exactly right. This is what I'm saying. People, that's what that's that's the mindset of people, though. That's the mindset. People are thinking that they're gonna we're gonna go and build nuclear power stations like they see on The Simpsons. Yeah, it's not gonna be anything <laughs> like that. Like that at all? No. no but like if the media tells them that's what's gonna happen, then they're gonna believe it. Yeah, and then you get people like the Greens saying, "Oh, but you know, it's gonna blow up and everyone's gonna die." Well, tell. Well, what I about the want to be able to turn the lights on. What about the wind turbines killing all the birds? Does anyone care about that or? Um, is that with the? Is that from the hum? No, they like they fly into them and get like killed. Yeah, well, the hum, the hum's something else. The hum's like um, that's a hundred hertz hum. The livestock and the animals that try or are trying to graze near them, it freaks them out. And um, you've had dairy farmers come out and say since having them installed on or near their property that the dairy cows are producing thirty percent less milk. Yeah. So for people that are supposed to be animal activists, they're ignoring all the, the signs that it's not good for them. Not yeah. only that, eight, China supplies 80% of the world's renewables, solar and wind, and part of that production is that is done by forced labour with the Uyghur population and other groups. So, yeah. you know, you're, in, you're, you're putting all this money into an investment that first is going to make us energy dependent on China because we have to rely on China to supply the solar and the wind um and then 
a lot of the components are, be, are, are, are being constructed using forced labor. No one's talking about that. And cobalt, which is the main uh, component of lithium batteries, comes from the Congo and they use child labor. Yeah, for our uh, electric vehicles, no one wants to talk about that either. Yeah, yeah. So, Rebecca, Adelaide, what, what's, what do you think is one of the big issues for you? Um, yeah, definitely uh, cost of living uh, and the electricity thing, like for myself, just reading that today about them saying it's going to go up somewhere between 18 and 20%. That's freaked me right out because for myself personally, I live in an older house um, and the electricity bill is one of the things I struggle with already. So that's going to hurt. And I'm sure I'm in a better place than a lot of people are at the moment financially. So can only imagine what that's going to do so that's obviously something i'll be focused on um, but affordable cost of living is a big one for me and always has been the whole campaign through because like i'm on the ground with people i know what they're going through i hear what they're going through just going in the shopping like in you know shopping centers as a mum with my kids and i hear a mum saying to their little one you're gonna have to find another fruit to like because they they don't they can't afford to pay seven dollars for a punnet of blueberries like what the hell's going on in this country yeah. Well, I, I think I think the next big issue as well is education. And if you look at uh, you know, Mark Latham's always talking about we want to provide kids with an education, not indoctrination. And if you look at the national vote, the Greens actually increased their national vote. Let me just quickly check by 1.3%. But in some states like Queensland, it was over 2%. So how much of that is the 18 and 21 year olds who couldn't vote in the last election that have been fed this indoctrination coming in and voting this election? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a big issue there. If, the, if, the, if, the, if you're getting them at the schools and a lot of them are leading a, a green, then that's only going to increase the greens vote for the next election. So, I mean, this is a massive, and I don't think any indoctrination should be in schooling, even if it's right wing. It shouldn't be there. Should be, schools should just be just focused on the basics, like you know, time tables and learning how to read and write and those sorts of things. So, I think that's a it's a definitely a massive issue, and the state government deals directly with education. So, that's going to be a massive issue, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I was reading an article just before I jumped on with you guys. It's in Victoria, but it's under a Labor government, so it's probably going to happen na nationwide, anyways. But a mum that had to pull a two-year-old child out of uh, daycare because they were bringing in a rainbow day for children from eight from babies, 18 months, to talk about to stop transphobia, biophobia and homophobia. I mean, how, this is disgusting. They're 18 month olds. Yeah. Anything so with sexuality, sexual, anything shouldn't be affiliated or anywhere near children. If you agree with those views, that's fine, but they shouldn't be anywhere near kids. Well, these are babies. They can't even talk yet. Yeah. It's just yeah. disgusting. Yeah. It's actually quite sick in my opinion. Well, that is, that's the sexualization of children. You know, like it's exposing them to, right, like to sex mm -hmm. in, in, you know, different ways. So what happens is, so what happens is it goes, well, when, what happens when a two-year-old comes up to mum and dad and goes, well, mum, and dad, what happens if a man is with a man? Then what are you going to say? You're, I've got a mum and a dad, but what happens if somebody has a dad and a dad or a mum and a mum? It doesn't matter how softly it is. It, it's 
you know, it starts off very small and then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper as they get older. So I just think that the sexualization of kids is completely wrong. It's been wrong. It's been happening for many, many years. Um, I've noticed that even in, you have a look at in the, in the, the clothes that the kids are able to buy, um, you know, and that, and this is all on parents as well. Like, you know, parents need to draw a line somewhere, you know, and say, well, listen, this is not, well, I do it in my house, you know? So it's, you, yeah, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be there. It should be lit, lit, literally reading, writing, arithmetic. <laughs> all right. We've got another from Leon Peterman, but I think we've already covered this. The debate of Australia adopting nuclear energy needs more push. So we've covered that. Uh, but he also asked, do we have any constitutional civil rights not to comply with who treaties? Oh, this is a, this is a massive topic. So this, it goes this beyond our constitution. If we sign it, it yeah. our constitution becomes null and void. Yeah. It, they take over so they can mm. just take over. It actually nullifies the, the constitution. Yeah. It's just, That's it's why just, we've been speaking about it so much, but people don't want to listen. The scariest. Yeah, they don't want to put it in the media or anything like that. They just want to push it through without anyone really paying attention to it. And both Labor and Liberal uh, will support it. So I don't know how much, you know, One Nation I've can got, do. I've just been reading up on it myself. And in the tree, I've lost, I lost my page because I was trying to set up this thing. Um, it was, but um, I've got a, a breakdown of what, um, what the treaty does. I'm just trying to see if I can find it. Real quick, guys. I know we're a bit, this is so it's that's, not a conspiracy theory either. I'd like that no, to be clarified. That's carbon. That that's got that's got the carbon credit one on it. Let's see if I've got it on this one here. Because I was looking at a few things. But you just don't see national sovereignty. Like I, I think Australia has always been a, a good uh, citizen of the world. Like we've always pitched in when when you know other countries need help and things like that. So we're we don't need global bodies coming in and dictating to us how we should react to certain situations. So any ceding of our national sovereignty should be resisted. So I found, sorry guys. Yeah. So I found, I found, um, I found the article, sorry guys. So uh, a summary of the proposed treaty could legally empower the who to do the following. And this is only some increased surveillance, a one health approach, a one health approach, a direct attack on sovereignty via outside data, to who may unilaterally decide so they can unilaterally decide um like any that that it's a pandemic um enable healthcare workers to be brought in so they can bring healthcare workers in from outside yeah they'll does bring you mean, in they'll bring you in in well i was going to say does that mean that security is going to have to be part of you know the health um a, a, a health worker so basically you'll have people with machine guns and you've seen them. I don't know if you've seen them in Davos, the security guards they have for, um, you know, it's been reported by independent media as well. I mean, they've got <laughs> machine guns. They're fully armed up to the hilt, um, you know, like so they can come in and then do what? Force, obviously, the law or legislation mm -hmm. that who says? Have a look at Shanghai recently. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, they'll have their own compliance committee. Um the amendments will come into effect now more quickly within six months to 18 months. Because remember, it was all meant to be in 2024 and then it all got moved to 2022 after the election. 
Well, not we've that got Labor as well, so that's not really comforting considering they're the ones that signed the Lima Declaration back in 75, so they're here to finish the job now. Yeah, so there's about, I've got about, hold on a second if I can find it, about 15, 20 points on this particular <laughs> document. And I'm gonna try, I will try and get it up on the Facebook. Now, this was done, um, this was from, yeah, this is from the... Who IHR treaty will override constitutions of Australia and America? And this was from Cairns News. And this ha this was two months ago. They already knew, they already reporting on this, right? So that was from two months ago. This was a, um, a an article that got sent to me. Um, so yeah, so like this, and the, people are talking about this as a conspiracy theory. I can tell you that no good will come. I wish that it was. No good will come from signing a treaty where they can um, take over our government. You want Klaus Schwab making the calls for Australia, mate, that guy, I'll tell you what. It's just, the, I'm laughing about it because I can't believe it. It's like a James it's Bond. Not, it's worse than, it is exactly James, we need James Bond to come and get this, to come and break down these organisations, we need it. Yeah. Or we just need like 500 Pauline Hansons. Well, I mean, you, exactly. Pauline's been calling it out for how long? And yeah, but still, she's also tough as nails. We need more people like that. Yeah. Well, she was the first one I ever heard talk about Agenda 21. Uh, she's been all over it for a long time. Uh, yeah, because yeah. she warned about foreign influence, like, back in 97. Yeah. And when she says foreign, she's not just speaking about people of a different nationality. She's talking about people that don't have the best interests of for our country here at heart. Well, I'll do our last question because we could talk forever. Um, well, I politicians do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to leave some content for the other episodes. So, yeah. uh, I think, the, so this is from Harry Jeffries. I oh, think, Harry. Oh, yeah. Hey, Harry, how you going, mate? <laughs> we both know him. This question is, where to from here? What's the next step for the Three Musketeers? Well, you go first, Steve. Me? Yeah, you go uh, first. I, I, I think I'm just going to let this up. Well, I'm definitely going to stay involved. Whether I'm a candidate again, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I, I think we really need to be smart about how we progress forward. And we definitely need to do something because we've at least built up a good amount of infrastructure in terms of volunteers and supporters. That I, I know here in Moringa, we've got plenty of people that, are very interested in, in moving forward and staying involved, um, whether it be in the party or other smaller groups. So I think that's something that I'm definitely going to focus on moving forward. And this podcast is a part of that because I think we definitely need to keep our names out there and, and be discussing it, discussing these issues. But we also need to form community groups, discussion groups, those sorts of things, and maybe start adopting some of the, the tactics of the left that have worked for them and start, start using them for us because I think they really caught, they caught us off guard. And uh, I think whatever is to come, you know, we're talking about the WHO Treaty, we're talking about future uh, pandemics and, uh, you know, maybe future lockdowns. We don't Climate know. Climate change propaganda. Yeah. yeah. So we need Climate change lockdowns. Yeah, exactly. So we need to have our own infrastructure in place to be able to, to adapt, to be really to pounce on these situations when they happen instead of being caught off guard. So I think for me, it's um, it's uh, just trying to build up the volunteer base, trying to build up awareness 
and trying to try and spread our message because for me the biggest um, issue that I faced during my campaign was not be, not getting any exposure from the mainstream media and if uh, if the electorate don't know who you are they're not going to vote for you so we need to build up our presence build up a message and uh, and um, and then we can, think, I can then I can think about maybe running again in the future so that's what I'll be focusing on going forward Rebecca um well i just need to breathe for a, a bit i mean yeah it's been nice the last couple of days just being able to be with my kids and stuff again but i definitely won't be giving up the fight um but yeah um we'll see what happens all right so obviously i've already said that like i'm i'm pretty keen to go go again i don't know i don't know why but i am so i just thought it was an amazing experience i met some amazing People, not just only you two, you guys are great. I met a few other people and I've got, I feel like in the end, I feel like not succeeding, let all my volunteers down, let my family down and let my kids down because the reason why we fight is the same reason, like I fight for the same reason you guys fight. We fought for, to protect our children. Mm. Um, so I think I just want to say that Stephen, I was thinking about doing some sort of like podcasts and keeping my name alive, um, but Stephen made it happen. So Stephen actually came uh, came to us. So Stephen's definitely you're you're full on man. You're active actively making this happen. So I appreciate you um, doing this, um, Rebecca. I want to see you on here as well with like with me. I think I think us three together can make a big difference. Um, we've had a few, we've, as Stephen has said as well, we've all got our own little contacts now. We can definitely speak to a lot of other candidates who I still will know will be interested, um, at least in not, maybe not in running, but at least in keeping the dream alive. I mean, we've got to keep the fire alive. I think we all, all three of us started as a small fire in our electorates. And I think um, that we can only make that grow further. Um, I think we can be of a big benefit in state as well because state is where you really attack your mandates um and stuff like that because that's state run even though is your state your current serving state member labor as well adam oh mate it's all labor well i'm all liberal so yeah so imagine if you imagine this is and you know imagine having you've got a labor a late we've got a liberal council which is why my signs didn't get ripped down and carried on silly like he was really fair um then i had um so we've got liberal council labor state and again labor federal with a labor obviously government so like federal government overall so i i think we need a real conservative um what do you call it opposition and i'd be a voice in in there for the conservative side of things because if you follow that left agenda it's it's you know like I just want to. I just can't wait to see the the left agenda people wake up and realize that. Happen. Well, what 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 happens when they can't plug their iPhones in and charge them? Or they'll blame us. They'll blame the right. The conservatives. That's our, That's our fault, right? Because what their battery, their house battery went flat, and guess what? Unlike what the prime minister says, um, the solar power doesn't work in daytime. You can't charge. It doesn't work in nighttime. You can't charge a car at night with solar panels. It's the battery that does the the charging, right? And then if you're 
things from A to B. They don't think of the things in the middle. I know one of the things that Zali Segal says, I think she said she wanted to have everyone owning an electric car by a certain date or something or other. But How the hell do you afford them? Because I can't afford one of them. It's well, not, that's what net zero means. Yeah. Zero they want to do a 75% reduction or so 80% reduction. That's the greens and um, the teals, right? Mm. Now, like, because Labor's going to have to, has to form the government with them. That's he, they're going to have to bow to that. No, the la- looks like Labor's forming the majority government. M- minorly, minor, but it's still going to be a minor government, isn't it? No, they've almost achieved the full seventy-six seats. Yeah, they got seventy really? at the moment. Okay, well, which is actually like, better, to be honest. Well, it is a bit because they won't have to bow too much to the Greens, but if they want to get anything yeah. through, they still need they'll still need support from them, won't they? Depends What's on that? the Senate. Depends yeah. on the Senate. Yeah, okay. yeah. Pauline's still not out. She's still hanging in there. And no, actually, did you guys hear about UAP might have a Senate candidate elected? Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that an MCJ report. I'm happy with any minor party that's on our side, though. Yeah, absolutely. But I just I really want to make the point about the electric cars. I don't know about you guys, but I live in a, a, a two-bedroom unit with my wife, and we've got two cars. We have one car space. So obviously we can charge one car at night, but where do we charge the other car? Like, does anyone think about that? Like, <laughs> well, I, I, like, I live in the middle of nowhere. And it takes twenty-five minutes for me to get anywhere to do anything basic, like shopping or groceries. So, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to achieve just doing day-to-day stuff, having to charge my car up every five minutes. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to run my business with an electric car. Because I, I do over a thousand kilometers a week, so that's two hundred and fifty over two hundred and fifty k's a day with a fully laden vehicle. Yeah. And what's the battery charge going to be on? I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't. I just don't see it really working out. Maybe it could be possible in the city. Maybe. But I get frustrated as well because it's unachievable again for the everyday Australian. A sixty-five thousand dollar car, which is like the bare minimum. For something like half decent, that's like $95,000. And then you've got to look at the additional expenses like installing a charging station at your home, which I believe is anywhere from $5,000. Where do I get, where am I supposed to get that kind of money from to begin with? You can't park your car. Some people don't have car spots at their, their place. They have to park on the street. Well, how do you park? How do you charge your, they're going to have to have designated car spots on the street with charging stations at every single one of them, just so everyone can charge their cars at night. Like, is anyone well, well, my street doesn't even have street lights or gutters, so where are they going to put one here? Yeah, you'd have to park your car. You'd have to park your car at the local Woolworths and get yeah. the car. That's twenty-five minutes away. You'd have to get your wife or husband to come and pick you up after you drop your car off. And no, charge I'll just it do, do, do it how the Greens want me to do it, and I'll just ride my bicycle to the car and then drive the bicycle, uh, drive the car home. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to go. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I swear to God, I'll get horse and car. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to carry all your tools on the horse, Adam. Yeah, See, I'll, carry, I'll have a cart with plantation shutters in the back and all my tools. <laughs> but the problem is, I have to pay carbon tax because the horse will fart too much yeah. meat. That's what Steve was going to That's what you're saying, right, Steve? Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't use the horse. Steve would well, never I'm... use that word. <laughs> I just, I I'm just saying, it's, 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 look, it's flawed. Pol- we know it's flawed policy. Right, it's just that they, everyone. I mean, I saw, I like on pre poll and polling. I saw well-to-do middle over well over middle-aged men 
you're not doing enough on climate. You're not doing enough on climate. I'm like, mate, where's your, where, where have you, what, how do you fall susceptible to this ideology of like this whole green thing, you know? I understand that we, none of us want to kill the earth. We're all going to try our best way to save the earth as much as we can, honestly, right? And to be honest with you, the green policies to me seem like they're going to do more damage than good. Well, what about all the mining involved to produce solar panels and things like that? Do we hear what was that ratio to produce a 500 pound battery, which is a 500 pound battery is 250 kilos, right? So, and a car battery in an electric car is 500 pounds, so 250 kilos, right? And you have to dig out 5,000 pounds of dirt to, to get the materials or 500,000 500, pounds of dirt to get the materials you need to make one 500-pound um, battery. That was a stat. That was somebody, I think Alan Jones came up with that figure or somebody quoted that figure in a speech. I quoted from a speech of theirs. Um, so it's pretty, you know, when you can just, I don't know. Why don't we make nuclear powered cars? We can make nuclear powered submarines. Well, they don't have all the all, climate 200 is not invested in uh, nuclear. That's the problem. I'd like to see the actual statistics, the proper science that shows us how, how much like per car or whatever it is contributes to this pollution that they talk about. Well, I know I, that I'm I, to see it. I read the report from Volvo. Remember how we all got that report from that um, mm. one nation person? Um, and it was about the, the the Volvo. I can't. I think I can't remember. If it was James Brown, <laughs> one of the guys. Said that. I know. Who he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I so I read. I'm like, about. Sorry. I didn't, I must have been left out of that. Oh. No, yeah. I, I You're not it. missing anything. Don't worry. No, it's all right. Like I read it. Right. Volvo themselves know that their cars aren't better for the, the electric cars they're producing aren't better for the environment. No, but I'm just right? saying. You know how Malcolm Roberts always talks about the the climate thing. Oh Nobody's, yeah. No one to date has been able to challenge him on no, their side of things. So that's what I'm saying. I want to see how much damage an actual petrol car like mine, for instance, I've got a small four-cylinder. How much is that impacting the earth, like really? Well, the th well, when you work it out though, right, so your car will do, if you look after it, a mil over a million kilometres. So the cost, of, the cost of carbon it took to produce your car versus the carbon that it uses to burn the fuel right but over the life of the car right it makes it it will make it negative in the end mm. right so it will it repays back its debt over time provided it's serviced and looked after okay whereas don't forget batteries have a life span so like four five to five years. Years, yeah right so after five years you've got to take a 500 250 kilo battery out of the car that's not recyclable that's basically treated like nuclear don't waste they use fossil fuels to manufacture them Right, and then to break them down, you can recycle. Maybe you might be able to recycle the um, plastic casing, but not the materials inside. One of the it. other candidates, I can't think which who it is, but he said he works with them and you can't recycle them. No, you can't recycle them, right? So mm. what happens is you take a 500-kilo battery, 250-kilo uh, battery out of the car, put it into the ground, okay? You get another 250-kilo battery that's created carbon to make put it in your car while the car's running it's not producing carbon emissions but when you're charging it it does okay and then the waste it produces is so and then don't forget too that the car's made of all different parts around the world and they're all shipped together put together and then they're shipped and distributed across the world 
So there's a massive carbon footprint just to make one, right? Whereas, you know, there are ways to minimize that manufactured battery operated cars in each country, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things you can do, but will they do it? Man car manufacturing is dead in Australia. So well, they're not going to... You know what they're not all, they're also not talking about is the mechanics. What's going to happen with all the mechanics electric cars? Because they don't electric cars don't require servicing to the extent that current cars you know, do. Software um, upgrades. So it's an industry that loses business, loses people. Yeah, so I think there's over 200,000 mechanics in New South Wales. They're not interested in lo us losing jobs, though. Yeah. Interesting fact, my mum sent me a video yesterday. She went out for lunch at a Chinese restaurant and was getting served her meal by a robot. What? Awesome. That's a job that somebody would have had once. Where was this? Just a, uh, she, So she's from out Penrith Way. Um, there was a Chinese restaurant and the, the food comes out on a robotic thing and it actually talks to you. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, we're already so there. Awesome. <laughs> oh man, I like people. I just want to talk to people. I like people too. I don't want to talk to a robot. Oh. Yeah, by taking your food, you turn me on. Like, what's the point in this stupid bloody robot? No, it was just like it was just saying, like, here's your food. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Didn't stay around for a complaint or anything. Remember, the future was meant to be cool. Like, yeah. yeah. Or to the future. I want to go back. I want to go back in time. Yeah, back yeah. to the 90s. The no, 90s were good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it, eh? So, oh, I hear you guys. Oh, this has been um, this has been pretty good, guys. Yeah. So let's, think, um, let's wrap it up because uh, we'll, we'll keep talking otherwise. We'll so thank you. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say let's set a time limit for half an hour, but we've beat that by almost an hour. No, that's no, no. It have to be an hour minimum. It has to be an hour. <laughs> Well, Joe, Joe Rogan goes for three hours a lot of the time, so I don't think we'll go that far. But um, it, it would be achievable, but we won't oh, do we that to the audience tonight. Yeah. <laughs> tonight, tonight. I've got well, we'll, to, see, I'm, I'm... we'll see what guests we can get on, and um, yeah, but I think we're off to a good start at least. Would I you be like... interested in getting like candidates from other parties on and stuff as well? Yep. See, or just mm. everyone, anyone we so um, we'll we'll discuss that. And, uh, because I've always got a whole bunch of people in mind. The, the hardest part is trying to cram them all in. Because I guess we'll just be doing this once a week. So I'm so. sure Gay, if Gay is still watching, she wouldn't mind coming on. <laughs> Gay would love to come on. I'm you sure. Love it, Gay. Gay. Well, what about Colin Fitzpatrick? Who has a bit to say? I can't wait okay. to have Walter Melbourne on. What's that? Oh, Walter. Yeah. Oh, Walter. Yeah, we've got to get him on. <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to speak to him. We're, hey, we're all meant to meet up down in Canberra for a coffee. I tell you, we already said that we were gonna. When we, me, him, and I, anyway, we had this thing going to see in Canberra because we were, thought we were gonna go down there together. So uh, that was just wishful so, thinking, Adam. No, no, it's just, way, it's just the way my, it's just the way my motivation works. That's all. It'll happen eventually. You'll get there eventually. We all will. So. Well, I think I think we all just need to. I think it's important that the people have people like us. So that if, you know, we were the brave enough to stand up and we know how hard it was to do what we've done. We've all accomplished public speaking. We've all accomplished, you know, getting outside of our comfort zones. We've all accomplished, you know, spending our money to, to something that we believe in. Okay. So I think um, when people see that and 
we all got a nice solid volunteer base. People believed in us. And I think I don't to know let about it go, you guys, but after the election of, like was finished, I started experiencing like extreme trolling as well. So that just gave me a taste of public life. And that's not really fun. I guess it comes with the job, but I think people need to realise what we're actually taking on when we do this. What do you mean extreme trolling? What happened? I just started getting inboxes from people left, right and centre, just saying pretty, you know, low and offensive things. Um, oh, you must have just, with some feathers. Oh, well, I made a statement about Labor winning the election that obviously upset people. But yeah. um, I don't know how you can support a, a party that talks about equality and women's rights and closing the gender pay gap and all the other stuff but then resort to misogynistic insults because I'm a female. Like it just, this is just the whole left side of politics. It's just, they're just hypocrites and they just don't, they don't even follow their own, their own standards. They attack the people. No, they attack people, not policy. Because mm. they can't write decent policy. So they just attack the people who make good policy. And that's why we've, that's why One Nation's copped it the whole time. Because as a matter of fact, I mean, we were copying it pretty much from everyone because they can't stand. As soon as you could, if you stand toe to toe with any with another candidate and you're talking policy, most of them couldn't stand, stack up unless they were really, really good, sweet talking politicians, which we were up against. Don't forget too, we were, you know, we're we're newbies, we're greenies, and well, not greenies. That's the wrong word. Sorry, we're oranges. Excuse me, right? how dare you? Yeah, you know, green, like green, you know, like new. And um, sorry about that. And. Um, well, no, I was just—I felt the slap in the face. <laughs> but we're the—we're—we're—we're we're we're green, new, and um, we're, up against, we're up against—we're up against politicians that have been doing it for their lives. Uh, not not particularly me. My 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 main candidate was um, had been doing it for six years, but it's far more polished and you know better versed than me. Well, did you see this? I don't want to. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going down. I'm not going to go down that road. You know, we had a bit of mutual respect for each other, and I'll keep it that way. Excellent. Good. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. Can, we'll be can back we go now? <laughs> go now. <laughs> I'm on holidays. Oh, I need a break. <laughs> Politicians don't get a break, Adam. They don't get a break, no. mate. No, that's why I'm not. A well, you're going to be right? We're ex if you're running again. If you're running again, that's your commitment. You're in campaign mode already, mate. Yeah, I'm already in campaign. You've had two mode. days. Well, let's get back to it. Let's just see. Let's just let's just see. I'm not I'm not not committing to it yet because I haven't spoken to the party. I haven't spoken to anybody yet. But I just feel like if we don't have representation of cons like conservative representation, I think everything's going to go to hell. Personally. Well, can I just make one last comment when we're talking about that? Interesting, uh, interestingly enough, the current sitting member of the Liberal Party um, here that won the seat again, he actually made Angus. Yeah. Angus Taylor. Yeah, yeah, so he made a comment in an article recently um, just saying that they need to re-evaluate evaluate their, their, you know, values within the party because he was shocked by, well, not shocked, but the results clearly showed that people in this area are looking to more conservative parties. Yep. So if they're going to go left and we're going to stay where they should have always stayed, then we're going to start to take more and more of their supporters. 
I was saying it from the start of the campaign. We're the new, if you're voting, we're the new liberal. Yeah. We are. That's we're, We are where they were 10, 15 years ago. This is where we are. We are that party. They're too divided by their own factional infighting. They, yep. they, they more about that than the actual people where we are the people. So, uh, and, and so that's, you know, we people aware of that we're here and um, we, we have a message and we're standing I missed that last bit. Sorry, what was that last bit? I don't just watch. I, people can't just rely on watching the, the mainstream media. Two faces up there, you know. They got to understand more options. Out there. Uh, there's more credible and you know viable. Absolutely. Well, I'm a living example of that. When I was told on on mainstream media that I was a ghost candidate that doesn't live in the electorate, and here I am, ten years strong, living in the electorate. Yeah. Um, that's that's how accurate their information is, guys. That's true. Yeah, mm. we'll finish. Right. There. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for having us, Stephen. Enjoy your break, Adam. Bye, guys. Bye, yeah. thank you. See ya. Thanks, Steve. <laughs>